Well, amen. It is good to see you this morning. I, I recognize this morning that uh, uh, there's a virus of some sort going around. Um, I'm tired of hearing a word that starts with C, no matter what other name you put in front of it. Uh, we talk more about that than we do about Jesus, it seems. Amen. And, uh, but uh, I got it, whatever it was. <laughs> Uh, last week, yes, it's time for church for kids. Uh, if you are a kid or have a kid or want a kid, go that way. All right, um, that's where they're headed. Uh, Pastor Stevens back there, and he's ready. Um, if you're our guest, uh, great adult chaperones and stuff back there, and, and our children's youth pastor is uh, heading that up. So uh, they'll, they'll be safe, and you're welcome to walk back there with them. Um, you can be open your Bibles, Isaiah 58. Um, I don't know if y'all caught the joke that Pastor Bobby told, but nobody heard it, that tonight we're going to do something extra about not doing something, fasting, not eating. So uh, it hit me funny. I guess I'm the only guy. Um, I see things differently sometimes. Um, but uh, but I, I, yeah, last Sunday I, I was able to speak. I, my, my throat felt a little funny, funny. I woke up Monday very sick, and my voice did not come close to normal till yesterday. And uh, Friday, people were going, what are you going to do Sunday? I said, I'm going to tough it out. What do you think I'm going to do? That's what I always do. But, uh, but I know uh, different people are getting it at different times. Some people have already had it. Some people are going to have it. Um, I did read a statistic this week that um, people that get vaccinated against COVID, which is not a vaccine, it's a shot. But anyway, um, they still die at some point. <laughs> so just... Quit panicking, people, all right? It's, it's bad, but uh, we'll survive. So we're good, and I'm looking forward. The Bible tells me in Psalm 139 that the day of my death was written down by God before the foundation of the world, before he created one of my days. So I'm not worried about it. I know when that's going to happen, uh, when he wants it to. And uh, until then, I'm supposed to live on, which brings me to today. I'm, I'm going to do this little series in January because it struck me that I needed it, okay, that, that I needed a challenge. I need, I need to challenge myself. I think all of us need to do that. But I think as a church at Calvary, we need to begin to challenge ourselves. I think we make a fundamental um, error sometimes, uh, especially in church. We do this in life in general. Um, but, uh, and I want you to hear me through because... What I'm about to say sounds like it's negative about something, but there, I don't mean it to be negative about anything because there's a positive in it. But so many times in church, we substitute what we, uh, well, we want to know what we're doing rather than what we're becoming. All of us are born and then are becoming something for the rest of our life. And if you're a believer, you're becoming into the image of Christ. You with me? So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing. We ought to do. I think, you know, Christ came with a purpose. He had a goal. He had things set, and that's what he was after. But the way he accomplished it was by being the incarnate son of God, God in flesh. You understand what I mean? There's a story in the Chick-fil-A um, history, and since a lot of people like Chick-fil-A, it's a nice one to use, but they were talking one day in their board meeting, however that looks. I haven't read these details in a long time. It just came back to mind, in fact. And, and some of the younger men on, the, on that board were talking about, we got to get bigger, we got to get bigger, we got to get bigger. And the founder of Chick-fil-A, I don't know if he slammed down his fist, he yelled, he did something, he got the whole room's attention. He said, if we'll be better, we'll get bigger. 
And that was the end of the discussion. Christ calls us to be, to be formed into his image. And if we'll do that, we'll be everything he wants us to be. And we'll do what he wants us to do. Amen? And so in just thinking that way for myself, that I need to follow Christ more closely, and I need to challenge myself. Just thought about some areas that I thought we could all talk about together so we would, as we like to say, get on the same page. We'd be together. And so that's why I'm calling it the 2022 challenge. Um, there, there are goals in that. There are things in that that I'd like us to do. One of them is I would just like to see us as a church. We're going to talk about prayer as a separate thing later on this month. But one of those prayers that I want us to be praying is that God would send that we, God would use us to see 22 people brand spanking new Christians, okay? Not transferring in from other churches, that's fine, people do that. But that we as a body could lead 22 people to Christ. Now I just picked that number because it's year 2022. There's no, there's no magic or God revelation to that. That's just a, that's a trick, okay? And I just, I'll admit when it's a trick, I'm going to tell you, because I don't want to, I don't ever want to make trickery sound like godliness, all right? God may want us to reach 50 or 100 or 2,200, but let's pray for 22, because if we begin to pray for 22, we'll pray for 23 and 24, because we're not going to stop, right? Y'all going to have to help me. I know, like, maybe y'all are battling sickness or whatever, but I, I need you to helped me this morning a lot. And, and by the way, this month, the sermon's going to be more teaching type, and especially tonight will be more that way. But tonight, you got a lot of opportunity to dialogue and ask questions, because we, we want to learn a lot. So, uh, in this challenge, today we're going to talk about fasting. Why am I doing that on the first day? Um, because I want to give you a head start, all right, uh, on, this, on this particular subject because I, I think maybe it's one of the things that we do the least. We certainly talk about the least. And I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people uh, sitting in this room that, uh, that you do fast. You regularly fast. You, you already have that built in your spiritual disciplines. But I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah 58. And as you do that, um, I want to I wanna ask you a, a question. How many of you remember what you ate on um, July 18th of this past year. What did you eat for a meal? Something. Yeah, probably. Okay. This isn't about fasting. This is leading me into it. Um, I don't remember either. I, I didn't keep a record. I don't know. I may have eaten something. I may not have eaten something. It may have been big. It may have been small. I don't know. But I ate, and I'm still here, right? Uh, this past, uh, or last week, Pastor Andy and I did the recap, and he just thought it through, went back, looked at the calendar, and he came in, he said, you preached 47 Sundays at Calvary uh, this past year. So if you do that twice on a Sunday, that's speaking, whatever that comes out to, uh, 94 times. Yeah, I, I could do that math, I just was afraid I wouldn't. Um, 94 times this past year. Now, that doesn't include speaking at Wayne Hills, which I did a couple times, I'm doing some other things, uh, but at least 98 times. So I would ask you the same thing. Do you remember what I preached on that week? That of July 18th? Yeah, I, me either. I'd have to look it up. Hopefully it was helpful, but here's the point I'm going to drive at. So many times we, we eat regularly, but we don't remember anyone, but all of it contributes to help us get, stay healthy and alive, Right? I mean, yesterday was New, Year, New Year's Day, right? 
I, I don't know, do you, did y'all have any traditions growing up? Where I'm from, in the low country of South Carolina, we have something we call Hoppin' John. Anybody? Okay, there's a few. All right, now, you may have a different name for it, but probably, for you guys, it might be pinto beans and rice. No, nothing. Wow. Black eyed peas. Okay, black eyed peas. Okay, good. I knew it was some dry bean. Okay. Well, d- down where we're from is called Hoppin' John, and we use field peas or cow peas, some people call them, and rice, and of course you cook all that in a ham hock, right? And, uh, and then turnips. I mean, not turnips, collards. Collard greens. Yes? Now, what I was taught as a little kid that it was a superstitious thing because if you ate the greens, that was green money. If you ate the beans, that was change. That was the coins. And you would be getting money all year if you ate Hoppin' John and Collards on New Year's Day. But it had to be cooking at midnight New Year's Eve. Yes, no, okay. I came from where they still do voodoo, okay? I'm just telling you. So you get some weird stuff. But as a young man, after I left my family's home before I was married, I tried to make collards and Hoppin' John once, and it was a disaster. My, my aunt used to, they, we, we call anything with rice a perlo. If you cook something and then you cook the rice and the juice of the stuff you cook, that's a perlo. And so we had squirrel perlo. The first time I tried to make that, the dog would not eat it, all right? <laughs> so I just, this year, I went, I'm going to have Hoppin' John and collards, and I'm going to cook them on New Year's Eve, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to cook it, and I know better than to try that without some help. So I called my trusty source, my sister, and I said, Ruth Ellen, I want to make Hoppin' Johns and collards, and I need you to tell me how Mama did it, because I know that's how you do it. And she said, I get the recipe from the Hoppin' John cookbook. <laughs> there is actually such a thing. I have it, a Hoppin' John Low Country cookbook. I said, I've got that. She said, pages 59 and 60. I took a picture of it in case I lost the book. She said, I follow that recipe, but Frank needs to tell you about the collars. She gave the phone to her husband, my brother-in-law. He told me how he made collards. And guess what? They turned out good because I did what they told me. Yay. So I got to eat that meal, and I meant to tell you that before I asked you what you ate last year. But, uh, but it was a special meal for me yesterday. And boy, I, was, I wasn't proud that I cooked it well. I was just excited that it was edible, okay? Uh, I, I just knew that I had that weakness, but I needed that help. And, and w- what I would say is that through the year, I preach Sunday by Sunday by Sunday. And I never take one of those days lightly. I mean, I don't just get up and I can do that. I'm kind of doing that now. But, but I really work hard at finding something different, special, out of the text that God has brought us to. There have been times when I knew there was something there, and I couldn't find it. But I knew that it was something there, and you just got to stay with it and stay with it and stay with it until God goes, okay, I've had you read about this enough and read it enough. Here's what I'm wanting you to see. And, and we need to do that. And we come in and we listen to that, and, and I share it, and I'm preaching to me and letting you listen in. That's what I like to tell people a lot. I, I'm not fussing at you. I'm just talking to myself and letting you hear me. Um, but I really want you to get a hold of these next few sermons. I want you to think about them. I want you to write something down if something is said that you went, wow, I need to hear that. Write it down because I know me. I will forget. I figure you are like me. You might forget. And so my question is, what did you learn in 2022 from this pulpit? Is there anything you remember that began to change your life or help change something in your life? And I could ask myself that same 
exact question. And so I want that to happen. So I want to give you, first of all, God's reason for fasting. And it's that. Fasting sets the captive free and creates Christ-likeness in us. Let me just ask you an easy question. Did Jesus fast? Yeah, absolutely. 40 days at least. He fasted regularly probably. He was criticized about his disciples not fasting. He said, why would they fast with the bridegrooms with them? They'll fast plenty after I'm gone, and they did. I want you to look in Isaiah 58 because it's a, it's a chapter that tells us about fasting. And uh, I, I want to read the first five verses, and I'll just read that as a section because this is a section about what, that, that paints a picture that is not very flattering. If you read it just kind of casually, there's some words in there, and you'll grab hold of them and think it's real positive. First five verses are a condemnation to people who are fasting. Listen to it carefully as you follow along. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted? And you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. Now, I don't know about you, that strikes me strange. Because I, in the times I fasted, in the day of my fast, I did not feel pleasure. I felt some hunger. But he says they're seeking their own pleasure. Hold on that. And oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight. And to hit with a wicked fist, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? He's asking a question, and let me kind of help sum it up. In the first two verses there. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to get into the purpose of fasting in this section. That the first two verses, he is telling them, you're doing religious things, but you're sinning. Now, I want you to get a hold of that. Because a lot of us confuse Christianity with coming to church on Sunday. Or doing certain disciplines. And those things can be a part of Christianity. It can be a part of our worship to God. But it's not our worship to God. Let, let me ask a simpler question to, so you know where my head is. What is the great thing that God desires of us? The number one thing. When Jesus was asked, he told him. He knew it right off. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. That's an act. That is an attitude, an act, a position, it's, a, it's an act of will. It's a desire. He didn't say pray more. He didn't say read your Bible more. He didn't say go to church more. Are all those things good? Absolutely. That's what I said. Setting goals and doing things is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. You don't know you're getting somewhere if you don't know where you're trying to get to, right? And measure it as you go. That's a, those are great things. But what is most important is that we get ourselves in the attitude that we are a worshiper, that we are someone who loves the Lord our God, with our, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'll just make a comment about that in reference to fasting. Paul quoted the Greek philosoph Crete philosophers to them saying, 
One of your own philosophers said, your God is your belly. You see, fasting breaks the, bond, bond, the bonds of us being dictated to by our physical hunger. And in this first five verses, God is telling Isaiah to tell the people that they are sinning because they're seeking their own pleasure in their fasting. In other words, they want to look good. They want to get more stuff from God. We don't fast to get stuff from God. We fast to break the bonds of sin that keep us from God so we can get to God. Did you know God plus zero equals everything? And everything minus God equals zero, nothing. In fact, the Bible says less than nothing. But do we truly believe that? We say it, you give assent to it, I say amen to it. But do I live that way? You see, there's a false humility going on here. You say, you're fasting, but you're still oppressing your workers. You're fasting, but you're still being angry and fighting and doing all these things, which, which shows that you're not seeking God. You're doing something else. And so he, he has no pleasure in our false humility. If we're going to be humble before God, just be humble. I sort of learned this as a kid, and it just applies in so many ways, and it's going to sound so weird. How many of you can remember at least one day in your grammar school life? Anybody? Okay, all of you can remember. And do you remember that day when everybody was talking, and, and especially like first, second, third grade, and, and the teacher's trying to get everybody quiet, and she's going, all right, kids, let's be quiet. And she says, shh. Right? And what do the most nice little kids in the classroom start doing? Shh, shh, shh. They're making as much noise as they were before. Now they're just telling everybody to be quiet by being loud. When the teacher said, be quiet, what should you do? Right? How do you humble yourself? Be humble. You just stop doing non-humble things. Stop being unhumble. You just, the Bible says, humble yourself under the hand of God. Because if you ask God for humility, man, he'll knock you way off of that high horse. Basically, God just says, get off your own high horse. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he'll exalt you, right? These people are exalting themselves by, look at me fasting. Jesus had the same problem with the Pharisees, right? Says, you fast to be seen of men. Pick it up in verse 6. And he tells us the purpose of his fast in verses 6 through 8. Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness and undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? We are in bondage to our bodies too much. That's true worldwide, but it's certainly true in America. We overeat. We overindulge. We have over... Uh, emphasize the physical in our world and I'm being careful how I say all that um, but you understand what I mean in our, in our entertain we over entertain ourselves do you know what amusement means it means the lack of amusement when you put an A in front of something it means the negative of that right and is there a such thing as musing yeah it means to think about stuff well when you're amused you're not thinking you're being amused. Fasting breaks that. Fasting stops that. Fasting brings, it breaks the yoke of the oppression on our body. Is it not, look at verse 7. Is it not to share 
your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. In other words, if you're not eating it, you might as well give it away. And you begin to see the need of others that maybe don't have as much as you. I didn't miss a meal this year. Not, not by accident. I, I didn't miss a meal because I didn't have it. I might have missed a meal, but it was, it was my own choice. But do you understand that we have brothers and sisters around the world who are missing meals today because they have no choice but to miss that meal? They have nothing to eat and probably won't. And we don't think about them. But if you start fasting, wait a minute, you might start thinking about that. You see, God doesn't call us to give money to the poor. He causes us to minister to the poor. God doesn't call us to talk about it. He calls us to do something. He calls us to begin to see this. And fasting helps it. It looses the bonds of sin. It frees the slave. And ministry begins to happen. Look at verse 8. I said it went through verse 8. Uh, verse 7, share the bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Your prayers begin to get answered. Now, again, we do, we feed people, we give clothes to people, and we do that on a regular basis, and that's great, and we ought to keep doing that, and we ought to increase how we do that and do it even more. I'm not putting any of that down. What I'm talking about is for you and I to get real with God before God and, and not sit back and, and watch ministry happen or let ministry happen, but to be involved in actually helping people in need. And fasting sensitizes you to what God's trying to say through you because it quiets your body. You would think it activates your body because I've never been on a diet yet that I did not constantly think about food. I mean, you know, do not think about a flying purple polka-dotted with pink dots, elephant, please don't do that. Exactly. And so when you quit eating, all you think about is eating. But he says, no, when you stop eating, you begin, you, you, you get in front of God and you begin to let yourself see what God's seeing. And you quiet down that body that is crying out for food. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you some hints tonight about fasting, but let me go ahead and give you one of them. First three days are miserable. Got no other word for it. I can give you almost an outline of what's going to happen the first three days. But after three days, it starts getting better, and it gets really good until you get hungry again after about 40. And then, then some bad things are going to happen if you don't start eating. But, but you can go a long time without food, and what you're doing is telling your body, be quiet, hush. I'm going to listen to God, not you. That's a hard thing for us to do, I believe. There are many plans of fasting. I, just, I, I wanted to put this up there just for your help. Um, we, one we call the Daniel Fast, found book of, the Dan, of Daniel. There's a partial fast. We'll talk about all these tonight. Uh, there's a complete fast. That means you don't eat anything but drink water. Um, and then there are time ranges of fasting. You can do it for a day. You can do it for half a day. You can do it for a month. You can do it for 40 days. Uh, after that, I would recommend you getting out of some stuff. But I want you to see the power of fasting and we're going to back up to verse 6 to look at that uh, for a moment. I want you to see the power of fasting. Please come back tonight. And by the way, I, there's some things that are on uh, the, the app or the website. If you go to the sermon section, 
There's some uh, links to some articles online that you can look at about fasting if you're very interested in this. But in verse 6, I said it breaks the bonds of sin. I, I, I want you to, if, if you can just flip there real quickly, do so. Keep a finger in, in Isaiah. But Romans 6, 6, if you can't get there fast, listen to this as I read it. Um, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The power to break sin in our life is not in fasting, it's in the power of Christ, the blood of Christ, that he, he stood in our place and died on the cross. Everybody with me? Amen to that? Okay, good. Well, when he did that, he gave us the power over sin in our own life through the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 6 of Romans 6, there's, I don't know sign language, I just know a few little things, but the sign for salvation is that. And what it means is the bonds are broken. You are no longer enslaved to sin. It comes out of Romans 6, 6, that when we become a Christian, that our old self, what we were in Adam, that, that fallen man, that man that began to follow other gods, Satan and those that he has created uh, in, in his thinking, that, that Christ died to defeat that God and those gods, and he is the only true God, and when we follow him, it breaks the power of that sin that those other gods bring in our life, whatever that sin might be. For different people, it's different things. Some people, nobody will ever know your sin. But some people, it's obvious to all, but it doesn't matter. Verse 6 says we, that this happens, that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. In other words, that it would no longer have effect over us so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We break the bonds of enslavement to sin. Now, when we put that verse in the context of, of Isaiah 58, 6, is not the fast I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undergo the strap, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every, uh, every yoke or every bond uh, on, on you, to break every yoke. So sin becomes like a yoke, and fasting breaks that. One of the godliest man, one of the godliest men I ever met. Let me put it that way. I, I would hate to rank how godly people are, but I knew he was. And he taught me a lot about fasting. In fact, I am a diabetic, in case you don't know. I mean, I say it a lot, so I figure everybody knows. But I've been a diabetic for over 55 years. And back then, I didn't have a pump and all the cool stuff that we now have through technology. And uh, we were in this class, and it came time about fasting. And I'm over there all smug, you know, because I'm a diabetic. I got to eat. <laughs> Sorry, can't fast. So... This was a short quarter, so we had a bunch of different kind of people in there. It was a big classroom. And, uh, and so Pastor Burchett talked about fasting, and it was an assignment. We were going to fast a half a day. That meant we ate supper on Friday and supper on Saturday. And then Saturday morning, we were going to spend time with the Lord, and he gave us an outline. I'll give you that tonight as well. And so we, we had all this stuff. So we finished the whole lecture. Are there any questions? Oh, I've been waiting on that minute. Yes, Stuart? I said, yes, sir. Um, well, as you know, I'm a diabetic. And uh, so uh, is there something I can substitute with fasting for food? Like, you know, I won't watch TV or something, you know, something we can all do, right? And I did not get the response I expected. 
He didn't say, oh, sure, oh, yeah, let's talk about it or see me after class. He simply said these words, Stuart, because he knew me by name and he liked to do that. <laughs> there is something spiritual about fasting that science knows not of. Well, that put me in my place. And then he said, now I'll let the doctors in the room address the issue. And one of them, Dr. Peter Wong from Dallas, Tech, Fort Worth, Texas, Chinese guy about this tall, talked like a Texan. He said, what kind of insulin you taking? I told him. He said, well, cut that one in half. Cut out the other one. Check, check your blood sugar a lot. You'll be all right. <laughs> Thanks. Didn't really want an answer, but I got it. So guess what? I fasted for half day, and I found out that there's something spiritual about fasting that science knows not of. Pastor Burchett told us that his besetting habit was to sit down with a quart of ice cream a night and a spoon and eat it. And he said, I won't be a slave to anything. So he broke that by fasting. Friend, you say, oh, well, eating ice cream is his big besetting sin. I'm sure he had other ones, but that's the one he let us know about. But yeah, when you overindulge in your appetite, as it says in Galatians uh, chapter 5, that's sin. And those who practice such sin, it says, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And the way you break the bond, the bond of your flesh telling you what you're going to do is through fasting, according to Isaiah 6. So it breaks the bond of sin. Now we have resources to share. We can house the homeless. Did you catch that? There are people who have to struggle, and we go, oh, those poor people, we want to give to an organization, but we don't want to do anything to minister to them. He said, no, fasting will show you how you're going to help those who are really in desperate need. Provide clothing. To be honest with yourself, did you catch that part of that down in verse 7? To not hide yourself from your own flesh. See, we just don't want to think about it. We don't want to, we hide ourselves from ourselves. He said, but fasting will bring yourself front and center. Uh, was it... New Year's Eve, babe. Yeah, New Year's Eve, we, Janice and I, we were doing, just riding around stuff. And, uh, and, and we just hadn't been on a hike in a long time, and I was getting over being sick, and turns out she is sick. So she would have been in the choir, but she would have been singing bass, so she's not doing it. <laughs> but anyway, we found ourselves near Braley Pond. So said, well, let's just walk around Braley's Pond. So we did. And we got out there to Braley's Pond, and there's people out there fishing, which kind of surprised me. It was pretty warm. And somebody's playing a radio. And I went, I hate that. <laughs> you come into nature and you bring this noise with you. Anybody understand what I just said? Yeah. It drives me nuts. You know, stay home if you want to listen to radio. <laughs> but here's my point. We, we can't stand We got to know what the last political pundit said or the last celebrity said or the last news cycle said or we, we just, I've got FOMO as bad as anybody. That's the fear of missing out. I, I want to know everything. But there's a time where we step back and go, no, uh, shh, shh. Let this speak. And your belly goes, 
Yeah, but there's a cinnamon roll there in the kitchen you could have got. <laughs> and you go, Shh, no, you are not my master. I'm your master. God is our master. And I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to him. And you see yourself that you're afraid to be quiet and alone before God. I'm telling you, this is a powerful thing in your life. Fasting has health benefits, but that's not why you should fast. In in a previous church, we we all kind of decided to try to fast together as many people as could. And by the way, you know, we don't ask each other like, are you fasting? How's it going? We, you know, the Bible says kind of keep that to yourself as much as you can. In other words, it's telling us not to brag about it. it. It's okay if you share help and all that, but don't go around going, well, I'm fasting. How many days are you fasting? Well, I'm doing more than you. I'm better than you. That's what happens. We, we get stupid about being godly, right? But, but if we get quiet before God and he can speak to us, we can, we, we can hear what he has to say, and it begins to break that power of sin over our life. And verses 8 to 14 just cover the results. What will happen if you do that? What will happen if you quiet your body to listen to Christ, to listen to what he says in the scripture? Look at verse 8. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. The way I put that is God fills you with himself. When you empty yourself of other things and by the, the, the not eating food is just a physical reminder that you are cutting yourself off from all impulses except what God wants you to hear. Now, you don't have the power to not go to work. You got to go to work. I get that. And, and so some of that can make fasting uh, a little more difficult. Again, we can answer some of those questions tonight. But, but look at the results you get. Your, your light breaks forth like the dawn, and healing will spring up in you speedily. I started saying another place we all decided to fast together, and there were two guys that did it, and they both had become type 2 diabetics. If you, in that world, you know what that means, but it's just basically your pancreas either doesn't make enough insulin to handle the weight you're carrying and or your pancreas worn out and doesn't make enough insulin or you've become insensitive to your own insulin. And those, both those guys went on a fast. They did, they did like a 40-day Daniel fast. They, they just ate raw vegetables for 40 days. They both lost a lot of weight, which wasn't the point. But their doctor, who is a Christian and a friend of mine, told them both, well, your pastor's done more for you than I could because neither one of you are diabetic anymore. Then your light will break forth like dawn and your healing will spring up speedily. It does some good stuff for you, I promise. Look at verse 9. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of your finger and speaking wickedness. What he, what he said in those first five verses were, you're doing it to be seen of men. You're doing it so you look good. You're doing it for the wrong motives. But if you do it for the right motives, the things you are fighting for just come to you. When you pray, God listens. And notice that if you quit doing this while you're fasting. Listen, if you decide to fast, don't go around there by going, are you fasting? You ought to be fasting. Pastor said, we ought to be fasting. Are you, you know, 
It's not about that. It's not about us condemning one another. It's about us deciding, hey, let's pray for each other, encourage one another, and seek Christ together. That's really why I'm doing fasting first. So that begin to put us on that same page with, with God. We can be honest with ourselves, And God answers our prayers, and he provides all your needs. Verses 11 and 12, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong, and you'll be like a, a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters are full, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You'll raise up the foundations of many generations, and you'll be called the repairer of the breach. The restore the streets to dwell. I'm sorry, that's just hit me personally very hard right now. Just going through stuff. And preach to yourself, preacher. Why? Because you made God number one in your life. Because you heard what he had to say. And he delights in showing off through you. He delights in doing things that you can't do. So when people go, wow, how did that happen? You go, I don't know, God did that. How else could it have happened? Because I certainly couldn't do it. I had already messed it up. And he provides our needs, because I'll tell you something about fasting. You figure out you don't need as much as you thought you did. When I was a young single pastor, I, I was invited to speak with this other church, some little thing they were having, this like family meal, and the pastor asked me to come just give a devotion or something. I don't know, but this older guy sat across from me. He was a friend of mine. I, I, I knew him. And man, when he sat down, he had a plate piled like that. He had two or three desserts. And I said, dude, that's a lot of food. Which, because, you know, I, I'm on the spectrum somewhere, so I just say stuff sometimes I shouldn't say. And he looked at me and he said, well, I heard malnutrition to kill you, and I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but then I, when God gave me opportunity to fast for an extended period of time one time, I found out that I didn't have to eat eating is always a choice my son told it to me this way one day dad just because you're hungry doesn't mean you have to eat I'll just go ahead and give you that I was going to give that to you tonight but I'll tell you that now and God will provide what you need and you'll figure out what you need was a lot less than you thought it was and look at verse 13 and 14 God becomes your delight if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or taking, talking idly, then you shall take delight in Yahweh, in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the height of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Wow. Wow. If we begin to honor God and make God our delight instead of ourselves, what will he do? Well, it'll be a lot. I always give you three things at the end, and, and I'm going to do that today. I'm, I may start thinking about that in a different sort of way, but I always want to give you some immediate action you can do. And these are very practical for this today. So I'm asking everybody to commit themselves to 40 days of fasting this year. I don't mean it doesn't have to run 40 days consecutively. If you want to take that challenge, please do. It'll bless you beyond anything you can imagine. So do it. But a day here and there, three days here and there, a week here and there, however you want to break it up. 
But commit yourself. I'm just asking us as a church to each one of us commit ourselves to, to fasting at least 40 days in 2022. And then secondly, find and implement a plan to fill up those 40 days. How are you going to accomplish that goal? I told you at the very beginning, goals aren't bad. If you don't set a goal for fasting 40 days, you'll do what you did last year, which is probably didn't fast at all. And I, I don't mean that ugly. I'm just saying, I, I, I don't remember consciously fasting in last year. Maybe I did, but I don't remember it. So I'm going to consciously make sure I do this this year. And then thirdly, restudy this whole chapter I just read to you. Because I, I, read, I read this chapter a lot. I read about it a lot. And what I gave you was the tip of an iceberg. So study the purpose and the power of fasting in Isaiah 58 because it'll encourage you to keep doing it. 